Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hey everyone, Christian Huntley here. I'm doing some work for my dad as part of a co-op work term for school. Looking forward to spending some time with all of you on the podcast. This week's episode features Melinda Dwight, the National Director of Alpha Australia. Hope you enjoy. Lift off and the clock has started. There are so many important people doing great work around the world in all kinds of different traditions and and corners of the world. One of those people that I find is doing terrific work is Melinda Dwight, who's the National Alpha Director in Australia. Welcome to the show, Melinda. Thanks, Ron. Privileged to be here, coming right from the bottom of the world to wherever you are. (laughs) It really is a totally different time zone, a different time of the world. I'll never forget the first time I realized that you guys take what we call summer break. You guys take it during Christmas because that's when your hottest time that's is. That's when summer is. And and also, we're ahead of you. So, you know, the future is sure. It's in Australia. So if you want to know what tomorrow is going to look like, just ask us. We'll tell you. I've tried to figure out if I can do that with the lottery numbers, if I can find out what the lottery is. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it's, that is always confusing as we head across time zones and, and the like. But anyway, I, I really am grateful that you decided to join us for the podcast today. And I'm really excited to talk about what you're seeing throughout the country of Australia, particularly as it relates to alpha and evangelization what are you saying? I know COVID has been a kick in the pants for everybody. Um, but even in light of that, where are you seeing hope? Yeah, I look, crisis has always preceded renewal. And so it's fascinating to me that, um, you know, this has been an incredible opportunity for online evangelization wherever people are. And so, you know, of course, I'm incredibly wise and know a lot. So we had tried Alpha Online and I said it would never work. You know, you have to have community, you have to be in person. And even more so, I knew that you could only do it, you couldn't do online because I needed to be there for the laying on of hands and we needed to have ministers there and, you know. So, and then COVID hit and within a couple of weeks, it was our busiest time for Alpha um, because, you know, it's the beginning of our, our year, like our, our coming back from summer break. And so we just had to pivot to Alpha Online and we put out some manuals and they actually helped most of our parishes and churches go online too. Um, and, you know, I thought this is going to be temporary, but, you know, it's surprising. God knows where we are and the Holy Spirit can even turn up in people's homes without me present, even without you present, Ron. It's amazing. Thank goodness for that. Uh, yep. you're, you're, I know that's so facetious the way you go about it, but honestly, I, I could tell that same story on multiple topics where I thought something would or wouldn't work and it did or didn't. And it was the complete opposite of whatever I was so assured of. So <laughs> I can appreciate it's true. how it feels. It's true. The panic, pandemic has made us realize, as if we needed to know, that we're not in charge, <laughs> you know. And so it's raised a lot of issues for people, which is which is a great thing. It's important to be, you know, I have to say years ago, remember when Jamie Haith did the, uh, what was it? Student Alpha. <laughs> student yeah, Alpha. Student Alpha. Yeah, we really liked that. That that got great traction in Australia. 
Uh, and, and in Canada too. And one of the ways that yeah. we used it was because the way our, our calendar year works, we'd have to jam in alpha and it kind of didn't work. And, and so we thought the seven week would be great this time of year. And the other one would be great this time of year. And what we found, Melinda, was that when people did the Jamie Haith video series, the guests loved it. And then when we'd invite them back to the next alpha that was, we're using the Nikki Gumbel video series, they'd be like, who's this old guy? Like, why are we watching him? And how come the, how come the videos are so long? These are too long. And 10 weeks, nobody's going to stay for 10 weeks. It's a terrible idea. But of course the guests didn't know. And so they'd experience Nikki Gumbel and love it. And then we'd invite them back to the fall session with, with Jamie Haith. And they'd be like, who is this young punk? And how come the videos are so short? They're missing half the talks. Seven weeks. We're not going to get to know anybody in seven weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is always the challenge of content and delivery and methodology, isn't it? You know, we get locked into our methodology and somehow the charisma and the gospel is able to still have content that's relevant without our methods. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we too, we don't, you know, we don't work in semesters like the UK do. So, so most of our alphas in Australia are over eight weeks. And then we, we uh-huh. go from alpha then into small groups for those who do small groups. So, yeah, it's kind of everything is governed by the school holidays. You know, we're all ruled True. by our kids, I think. Yeah. Well, in Canada too, for that matter, it's really, we try to line it with that flow because there's a natural flow to the culture, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. And I tried yeah. to work against that. And uh, burnt myself out and a bunch of other people in the process and realized, you know what, I have to understand it, not fight against it, and then make the most of the opportunities. And so that is, uh, yeah, that's so cool. So that's true. So the online alphas are really, there's a whole generation of people experiencing alpha and passionate about alpha who've never been in person. And they're going to get in person and say, why are we doing all this meal stuff? This is a terrible idea. And going away and don't touch me. What's with the music? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And I mean, I think it's that, you know, we we using the phrase today, alpha moves with you because we're sort of in lockdown and then we're out of lockdown. And and so we're able to sort of say, hey, yeah, let's do it on online on Zoom. And oh, good, let's do it in person because you do need the personal connection. Fundamentally, yeah, we are is an invitation to community. But people are way more open and honest in their own homes. Yeah. Like that really surprised me you know, how quickly you can build a different level of trust and relationship. Mm. But, you know, I've been wrong before. It'll happen again, maybe just <laughs> once. A learning for all of us. Well, when you came to the Divine Renovation Conference, uh, I remember us telling you about my son and and uh, music and, and, and you, I think, went to your bag of tricks and pulled out a wonderful uh, CD and uh, a whole story and a book, and you gave it to me to give to my son, and it was from Hillsong. And you were sharing that you are part of that Hillsong Church. And uh, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that because Hillsong really has brought a lot of people into a relationship with Christ through music. Music is such an incredible tool to touch hearts. And well, what's it like? Tell me a little bit about the culture of the church at Hillsong. Yeah, well, you know, the first time I came to a Divine Renovation Conference, you know, and I brought a whole lot of priests and people with me who didn't really want to be there. And, you know, it was a bit of a challenging thing. And I'm not Catholic. And so while I really value and love the Catholic Church, obviously, been to Mass probably more than most Catholics in Australia, um, it was, I was kind of a bit nervous about how it would be walking in. And it didn't help that I had one of my 
friends is a board member of Alpha, a guy called Kevin Bailey, who just said to me, oh, all you do is you sit on the front row and you just stand up and you, you know, just, just go amen as much as you can, which kind of doesn't happen a lot in mass, I found out. But, but when I walked into DR, the, um, they were singing a Hillsong song. Now, wow. it was perhaps a different tempo and, and key mm. to what I was used to. It's like, oh, I know that song. So I took a little video clip of it and sent it on Insta to the songwriter and said, look, they're singing your song in, in Halifax. And, of course, he came back with, where's Halifax? And I said, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so um, but the music at Hillsong basically came from, you know, the homilies, from the sermons. So, you know, unfortunately, people didn't memorise the sermon the first time off, and so they're not going away talking about it. But um, we were encouraged musicians to write songs that were along the themes. And so all of the music came out of what God was saying to a local church at a particular time. Um, and so I think that's just developed and developed. And, you know, there's, there's tens of millions of people now on any Sunday singing a Hillsong song. We're very thankful. Mm. That's amazing. But music is really powerful. And it's interesting now that that's become multi-generational. You know, we have Hillsong Worship um, and Hillsong Young and Free and we have United. So different genres, different age brackets to reach different generations, you know, different methodologies. Um, and it's interesting sometimes now I hear like our, our lead um, pastor is a guy called Brian Houston, who's a, a great leader and communicator. But the music came out of his preaching. Now I've heard him sometimes preach a sermon that, that resonates from a song. And so it's interesting that independency of faith and spirituality. Yeah, so it's been, it's been an interesting journey. I only joined Hillsong. I'm, I'm not in the city where Hillsong was founded. So Hillsong started in our city um, about seven years ago. And so we just joined it to help, oh, you know, neat. start. I, I'd, I'd known, you know, Brian Houston, the head, I'd known him for 30-something years. But when they started in our church, just started to just, just help build because I, I love church planting and church building. So it was fun. Of course, what I didn't realise is no one really plants the church like Hillsong, you know. Um, I think now we have five locations in our city and we have sort of, you know, quite a few thousand gathering every weekend and, you know, it's, it's, it's gone okay. <laughs> That's wonderful. That is so fun to hear. And it sounds like, you know, when you talk about planting churches and, and, and it's all about leadership, isn't it? Like to be able to spot, identify, equip, recruit, raise up and empower leaders. And that's so consistent yeah. with what makes Alpha sustainable and successful in a parish. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and also at Hillsong, we're obviously one of the biggest users of Alpha there is um, because it is a way of developing our leaders and connecting in community, of establishing, you know, the, the, a, a bit more theology in terms of the gospel um, so it's been, yeah, really important. I mean, I think I underestimated how important a leadership pipeline is. So if you think about, you know, Hillsong Church, we have, you know, between, you know, 14 and 1600, maybe more in our Hillsong Leadership College, which is intentional. Um, and yet was, we're planting churches and developing things around the world. Our greatest lack and challenge is also leaders. Mm -hmm. So you can't underestimate how important the leadership pipeline is, discipling people, raising people up. And I think the thing that, I've noticed from afar and now from inside Hillsong is leadership is influence. We're all called to influence someone. That's the yes. fundamental um, concept behind the Great Commission, go and make disciples. And so we're called to lead in whatever sphere we are. 
you know, as, as a mum at home, I'm called to lead, I'm called to influence the people, you know, that, that are in my school environment, at my university, you know, I, I might be called to business, how can I lead in that sphere? So I think whatever sphere we're in, we have to develop our talents and abilities and learn to influence people. So it's for everybody. Yeah, fair enough. I, I remember from ourselves, I'd always wanted to do, you know, I'd always wanted to do online alpha actually, and just never, I just thought so many people I want to reach that don't live around yeah. me and they're not going to go yeah. to a church. And, but of course I never did. And soon as, as soon as COVID hit, I thought Yahoo, like great opportunity. <laughs> of course, the people I wanted to yeah. come didn't come, but it didn't mean I didn't invite <laughs> them. Uh, yeah. But the invite is the win. You know that, right? Yes. It takes Amen. at least 14 connections for someone to come to faith. So when you invite them, that's a win. You've moved them around the clock face of faith. So just invite them 12 more times. You'll be fine. <laughs> Many people who've come to Alpha would say, I've asked them all 14 times. And hopefully if other people can do it too, then it doesn't just come from the same yeah. person. So. I've heard of that team approach. Yeah, there's, there's a grand design behind it all. And we're just, you know, cooperating. Yeah, it's true. And well, certainly for me, like I say, the online thing was something I'd wanted to try, but didn't. The other thing that I, I, I wanted to try, but just never couldn't get around to it was live talks. And I remember one time when, because we used to run a daytime alpha and an evening alpha at St. Benedict, and we'd often stagger the weekends because we only had one set of DVDs. And uh, <laughs> this one particular there's, there's a big budget production for you. <laughs> oh, listen, it's, money's no object. Money is no object. <laughs> and so, so <laughs> this one particular weekend, uh, the, the retreat fell on the same weekend for both. And I knew I had to give the DVDs to the folks that were in the daytime outfit because they're predominantly senior and senior team. And I thought they, you know, so, and I'll just look up the talks on YouTube. And so I didn't tell any of the team that I didn't have the DVDs as we went away for the weekend. And of course I get there and I start flipping through you. I can't find the talks. Like the talks aren't on YouTube. That's right. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. (laughs) And of course I'm trying to solve my own problem without telling anybody because they would kill me. And I actually found the talks from their actual weekend away there from the people that gave them. And Exactly. And they were great talks, but one of the things, Melinda, that I found when I watched them, I thought, we could do that. And it exactly. was the first time I said that we can do that. And after that weekend, the very next Alpha, we gave live talks ever since. And what I found was giving live talks raises up. It's another way yes. to raise up leaders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been helping that with people who are doing multi-site campuses or who are in church planting. This is the best way for you to help plant a church. Firstly, use the Alpha brand um, because, you know, that's strong and people know it. And then, yeah, get get your leaders up doing it. You know, they've got a script. They've got a model they can follow in terms of the video. So they can't go too far wrong. Um, And also a live crowd is very forgiving because they know that person and love them. So, yeah, and then you see who has competency and capacity to go further. And who will, you know, be a great table host. Amen. So true. So true. And so for any of our listeners, if if you have a decent sized church, you've been doing alpha for a while and you have people of capacity, you know, it really might be worth. In fact, at some point I'm going to tape our live talks just so other people can look at them and go, oh, I can do that. <laughs> because they're gonna be not because they're gonna want to use ours, but because people will be able to watch it and see how it's done and just realize yeah. 
you literally can do that. In fact, I remember a good friend, Jordan, who was from the UK, came over with his priest uh, for, I think it was three weeks. And he stayed with me and he was leaving after three weeks of staying with us at St. Benedict. And I said, we're having a beer. It's his last night. I said, Jordan, what are you taking with you? Like, what's, what's the big take home for you? And I loved his answer. He said, Ron, uh, please don't take this the wrong way. But uh, if you can do it, we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's true. We're all just having a go and giving it our best shot. And, you know, it's surprising where that leads. I mean, I think at leadership at any level, you just, you're fundamentally the duck, just <laughs> gliding on the surface and paddling underneath you know, as hard and as fast as you can, you know, and, you know, I mean, I know at our church, we do some conferences and some things and, you know, often something will go wrong and it just means we're there for, you know, 12 hours overnight till it'll be fixed and then get up and, hey, isn't this great? It's simple. It's simple. You just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Don't give up as a, as a big leadership no. principle. That's great. Well, so- there's no failures, is there? It's just learning opportunities. I so agree. that's why you've got to keep get it, keep getting up because you learn from it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great attitude. And the fear of failure sometimes can be so crippling for innovation and and growth. Mm-hmm. And so just to know that things are going to mess up, we're just not going to know when and where. But when it does, we're going to have each other's backs, and we're yep. going to find a way to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And that will build a stronger team. You know, mm-hmm. we always say, out of stress comes strategy. So you know, you kind of. You kind of do the best you can while you're in the middle of that stressful situation. And then when you've got time to breathe, you go, okay, how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? You know? <laughs> Where's the strategy for next time? <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been up talking to leaders about doing alpha or doing some talk or something and realised, oh, there's no coffee down the back. There's no biscuits. So I'll be, you know, sort of getting people, you know, just chat amongst yourselves for a minute about that point and texting my team and going, quick, Someone go and get biscuits and coffee. We've got to have food, you know. So it's like, okay, sure. And whoever's not on stage is out there making the cups of tea. And you just make it work. You put it all together and you have a go. Yes. Um, and that's what that's what Alpha is. That's what church planting is. Frankly, that's what discipleship is. You know, and that's what hey, parish here's how I gave it a go. Yeah. 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 It's the same yeah. idea. Absolutely love it. So how long have you been in your role as a, a National Alpha Director? So nearly 10 years, you know, I kind of took, I didn't really want the role, took a long time to be chatted, talked into it. Um, I'd run Alpha in the church where I was and, you know, we'd had food, we'd listened to the talks and we chatted. I didn't, I'd never had anyone from Alpha contact me, didn't know there was training, didn't know there was a board, didn't know anything. So I was like, why would I be involved in that? So I thought that I would do it for a year um, and just kind of, you know, help out these people on getting, you know, some stuff happening. And yeah, 10 years later, it's just providing more opportunity and, and seeing more things happen. And I mean, this year, our goal is 100,000 participants in Australia. So nothing else that I've been involved in has that sort of scale of serving the church because I love Jesus and I love his church. So anything we can do to help the church is just a huge thrill. Mm, absolutely. And I love Alpha's heart and it's aligned with yours. It's just to whatever your tradition, whatever your denomination, Mm -hmm. we just want to be at the service of churches to help you make the most of this tool for evangelization and reaching people with the gospel. I mean, best ever. Absolutely. Well, I got, you know, I was looking at the census, you know, when I first started um, and going, okay, there are 5 million people in Australia that identify as Catholics. Less than a million of them go to mass. How do we get those other 4 million to go to mass? So I went and talked to one of the archbishops who eventually would see me. It was quite a bit of knocking. And um, I said, look, what are we going to do about these other 4 million? And he said, I don't know. Have you got any ideas? 
well, of course I've got ideas. We just start Alpha and, you know. So we sort of went on that journey of saying, how can we serve the church, um, you know, to, to reach the people that, that aren't regularly attending Mass? And, of course, now we're really focused on Catholic schools. Um, you know, I thought it was a little disappointing that 12 years of a Catholic education doesn't make you the most fervent Catholic in the world. Um, you do know that everybody else is wrong, but you're not necessarily a practising Catholic. Um, so we're trying to get, you know, peer-to-peer in your now in schools. How do we get young people fired up to reach their friends, to be mm. passionate about Jesus and his cause? But yeah, so, so that's all. Well, you know, it's, you say that and it's, that, that's a, uh, that, that's a real issue for us in, uh, it, we have these Catholic schools where people are learning about religion as a topic. They're not coming into a relationship with Jesus as a savior. And, and uh, boy, it's problematic because in our tradition, a lot of parents see their involvement in the, as Catholics in the Catholic church is the school is our church. Like we don't go to mass, but we do put our kids in school and we give to the school and we go to the concerts there. So that's our church. It's like, oh man, like we've really, we're, we've got ourselves in quite a pickle in many ways, you know, because it's not just, the goal isn't go to church. The goal is to fall deeply head over heels in love with Jesus, take up yeah. your cross and follow him. And, and that includes going to church, but that's not the goal. <laughs> no, no, no. But that will be an outcome. And yes. I think how yes. do we help serve, how do we get young people fired up about their faith, reaching their friends, and then, you know, going along to the parish and seeing how they can contribute. Yeah. Um, and so I was actually surprised in Australia by the latest stats by the, um, the uh, Canberra Archdiocese here, said that the average age of a Catholic in Australia is 38. And we're talking about, you know, one and a half million um, Catholics in Australia are, are under 20. So there's a lot of young people that say they're Catholic and associated loosely with the church, perhaps at, you know, particular traditional times, Um, but they are warm towards faith. They just Mm. need to discover what that is and be involved in that, what that is, and and then start contributing. So, yeah, so Mm. we're pretty passionate. I mean, obviously we're working with parishes and working with dioceses, but but schools is kind of a, a major focus at the moment. Well, one of the things you said, Melinda, and, and, I, and I hope our listeners hear this, you said, you know, we want to work with young people, get them excited about their faith so they can get their friends as well and then come along to the church. But wait, that, that come along to the church pieces, that's what I do in the sense that if churches aren't well led, these people come along and nobody knows what to do with them. They, they get bored. They, they're not connected with it. It's just, it becomes, it quickly becomes irrelevant. And, and so boy, um, you know, to all you church leaders out there, like bringing your church alive, learning how to lead in ways that mobilize people and use their mm-hmm. gifts in ways that stretch them and challenge them and grow them. That's what makes your church amazing. Not just yeah. not just doing the mass. And don't get yeah. me wrong, I'm not downplaying the mass. Our mass is a, is a, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. Like there's a lot packed into that's our highest form of yes. worship. And yet, it's our church is more than just the mass and, and that leadership is a big part of it. Yeah. If we're going, cause I've seen people come out of Catholic movements like CC, you know, Catholic Christian mm-hmm. outreach or focus. And, and then mm-hmm. they're, 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 
they're missionaries. And then they come to the church mm-hmm. and the church doesn't know what to do with them. Like they put them in, in menial roles and they don't know how to support them. They don't know how to equip them. And these people get disillusioned and, and, and yeah. they just put their yeah. energy in other things. And, and they, yeah. That's why um, DR was so helpful for me because as we started to serve with Alpha, I saw that happening. People yeah. saying, oh, you know, we go to Alpha and it's fantastic. And then we go to mass and, you know, perhaps the homily isn't quite like that. And, you know, I sort of say, well, I'll hang around because in seven years the priest will change. And it's like, surely we've got to do better than that. Um, And so seeing a model and taking priests and taking, you know, um, significant lay people in diocese to Halifax to see hope, to see this can happen, to see how this can transform. Because I think sometimes, you know, I would take people to, Hillsong conference, whatever, and they would look at it and go, okay, we've got to get smoke machines and we've got to get drums and, you know, we've got to, you know, the the list of things they thought they needed. It's like, no, no, what people are looking for is community and expression. And I think particularly today, if I could say one of the things the pandemic has caused is people to look for authentic community. And I think we're going to see the rise of more, you know, um, community-based churches. You know, mega churches are fine, but it's really the community-based church that will bring discipleship and transformation globally. And I think the pandemic has made people aware of how important that is. Go a place where someone knows my name, to go somewhere where the style is not, you know, foreign to me. It's, it's acceptable, but it doesn't have to be contemporary yes. to me. It just yeah. has to be not dreadful. You know, sometimes you go into shops and they play dreadful music to get you out of that shop, you know. <laughs> um, so you don't need to quite do that with mass. But you, nor do we all have to be, you know, jumping up and down with smoke machines right. and having tattoos or something. Um, <laughs> it's a fatherless generation. You know, we want family. We want community. We want multi-generational interaction. We want to feel loved and accepted and valued. We want to belong before we believe, before we learn how to behave. So I think all those things are, are really, and that's what I see. The churches mm. in the pandemic, I think the gap, between mission and maintenance is widened um, and a lot of churches in Australia, not, not, about, not sure about globally, but are coming out maintenance focused. How do I get people back into my, how do I yes. get back, bottoms back on seats? You know, how do I get it back to how it was? No, it's never going back to how it was, you know, so we have to think about how the future looks, but others are coming out on mission. You know what, if we're going to give our lives for something, let's go hard. You know, let's, let's see every parish renewed. Let's see, you know, the number of people uh, attending mass in the Catholic Church double. Let's set some audacious goals, you know, talking to groups of young people about, you know, I really like World Youth Day and some of those things. But why can't we see a million people in Australia galvanised all the time? You know, why does it have to be, you know, one event? So I think getting people focused on that mission is really, really a great blessing out of the pandemic. And, you know, anyone who's involved in a local parish should pat themselves on the back because it's local Mm. and it's a community and it has the ability because it's local and community doesn't mean it will be friendly, but it has the potential to be friendly. It has the potential to be welcoming. So, and intergenerational, which is what people are looking for. Fantastic. And can I just say from someone who comes from one of those, you know, you know, we have lots of buildings and I'm involved in all those buildings, but most of our people at Hillsong want to get, want to get married in a traditional stained glass window, beautiful building, you know. So there's a cry in the hearts of young people um, back to tradition. You know, where are our roots? How do we feel um, hope 
you know, through the generations. And so, and if you've, you know, had any Catholic connection in your family, you feel safe exploring faith in the Catholic context. You know, that that's your root. That's what's familiar. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for parishes to be involved and engaged with people in this season. Amen. I, I believe that too. And I think the people that take on that challenge and see, I heard an expression years ago, which I thought, Hey, that's fair. It's not bums and seats that change the world. It's people filled with the Holy spirit that change the world. And, and if that's our goal and we make that a priority and we learn to lead in ways that, that are beyond our own individual capacity, learn to lead out of teams, well, we yes. can make some great decisions more consistently that will lead to that growth and that impact that God wants to have yeah. in our churches and our communities. God wants yeah. it. It'll happen. Yeah. It will happen. And about the same time the disciples were called Christians, they were also described as people who turned their worlds upside down. So, you know, wouldn't it be mm-hmm. great if that term was interchangeable? You Amen. know, who are you? I'm a person who turns the world upside down. <laughs> I, oh, that's by being a Christian. <laughs> Why not? Why not? You know, it's fun talking to you. And as I I'm, I'm, I imagine our listeners can hear too, like you just have this gift of vision, this why not attitude, this, you know, if it ha- World Youth Day happens, why aren't we galvanizing? Like you have this heart for making things bigger, which really is an apostolic kind of charism of, of, of growth, of, of impact. And I just love, it's very contagious. <laughs> I love Thanks, talking Rob. to it's you. <laughs> it's great a- talking to you because that's what we want to do. We want our lives to count. We want to influence people. And, you know, my husband's in business and business is great. And if that's what you're called to, wonderful. But, you know, they talk about making millions of dollars or billions of dollars. I met people who say want to be billionaires. I mean, good on them. Great. Yay. Yeah. I know how you can use that money well. But I want to be influence a million people to mm. follow Jesus. That's mm. that's a goal that's worthy. That for me, that's a calling that lasts beyond myself. And so, so you've got to think big because we've got to think scale. You yes. know, we've got millions of people to reach. And we, we, it, it needs us to be all in, but it needs all of us in. Amen. What can you share a story? Because I know you've been involved with your Alfred, your local parish. You've been involved in the national level. Can you share a story or two with me of transformation that 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 touched you, and that left a mark on you? Sure. There's lots of them. I think the one of the ones that comes to mind first was when I first started getting involved in Alpha. I thought I'm just going to go and explore what this is for local churches, and I went to a local church in a regional area of a relatively small city. Um, and it happened to be a Lutheran church. And, you know, I, I talked to the minister and said, oh, tell me about how you run Alpha. And he had this big Alpha banner on his, the roof of his traditional church. And he just left it up there all the time, obviously. And he said, I, I run Alpha once a year. Um, and he said, the first time we did it, you know, I didn't have anyone to cook. So I cooked and I ran it and we had seven people and, you know, we had food every week. And I said, oh, yes. And he said, and someone came to faith. And I said, oh, that's great. Um, and he said, no, you don't understand. He said, I've been a Lutheran minister all my life and I've never seen someone come to faith. And, and I just, I, I was stunned because I can't imagine how I would have that commitment and perseverance. And that one person coming to faith brought hope to their church. And, you know, they still, you know, they run it once a year and they have up to 10 people. And, you know, they see people come to faith and it's transformed him and it's transformed their church. Um, And I think, you know, because I love church leaders, that's 
you know, that's that's my tribe. That's what. And so to see a church leader so transformed by hope that this could happen in their little church in their little town that was that was huge for me. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so there's Alpha is fundamentally stories. You know, every person has a story. I remember one other guy. I mean, there's lots of stories. So I'll just I'll just tell you two. So one of them was a guy who was um, a, a lawyer, and and he was a, a partner in a big law firm. And they ran Alpha pretty much continuously in their um, law firm at lunchtime in their boardroom. And I went and chatted to him, and I said, you know, this is really going well. How hey, you run it in your boardroom? Tell me about it. And you know, he couldn't go because he was a senior person, and that would cause challenge. But he financed it, supported, pray for it, did all this stuff um, in the in the boardroom, and and they were consistently seeing people hard to reach lawyers. You know, um, you know, not that there's scales of sin, but you know, I did. You know, you lawyers know who you are, and so he just kind of kept doing it. I said, "Well, tell me about your story. Did you grow up in the church?" He said, "Oh no." He said, "My wife came to faith, and she just kept nagging me um, about going to Alpha." And I thought, "Oh, you know." So he said, I went to, you know, and he named three different, very different church um, backgrounds. And he said, I went to the first one and I went one night and it was nice. And the people were nice, but they said, we're not going to pressure you. We're not going to, you, know, um, you know, get on your case. And so he said, I didn't go back. And he said, they didn't pressure me and they didn't get on my case. And he said, wow, they did what they said. And he said, it just stood out to me. And he said, probably a year later, um, you know, I was, you know, I, someone else asked me to go to Alpha. This could have been one of your friends, Ron. So he, came, he, he went along to Alpha and, again, he went one night and, um, you know, talked to the people and they were all very nice and he said, look, this is good for you but it's not for me. You know, I don't want any pressure. I just want to take this at my own pace. And they said, we won't pressure you. And he said, I never went back and they never contacted me. And I thought, wow, imagine people who do what they say which was an interesting response. Um, and then the third time he went to Alpha and he, he um, went through the whole thing and he said, you know, when it came to the weekend away, I knew I had enough answers. He said, I felt a little bit like I was getting sold a car the first two, couple of times I went. <laughs> and he said, you know, there's no way if you take me to a showroom and show me a car, I'll buy it. I want to kick the tires. I want to look at the stats. I want to see what the what the reviews on hybrids are. You know, he said I I, I need to test drive it. You know, but he said so. I they wanted me to make you know they they weren't trying to pressure me to make quick decisions. But he said when I actually started going to Alpha and I unpacked it and I asked um, asked questions, he said I didn't get all the answers, but I knew enough to take that step of faith. And so you know, he came to faith. It transformed him, his marriage, his family. Um, and, you know, obviously helped his career. I don't know how many hundreds of people have done Alpha through his law firm because of him. And so it's really interesting. And, I, I you know, I, I, I haven't gone back to those churches because he didn't name the names. He just yes. named the denominations. But I thought they must have felt like such a failure. We had yes. someone come one night and he never came back, you know, and then so, and that was the experience. But now he's come to faith and he's led hundreds of other people on the journey of exploring faith because those people did what they said. They wow. welcomed him and they were part of coming back to a theme. They were part of that links in the chain that led him to faith um, and that enabled him to put, to get enough in the tank to take that step of faith, to follow Jesus completely. But yeah, wow. that, but I have lots of those stories. I love stories because while we're going for a hundred thousand participants, 
each one of those matters. Each one of those is a story. Um, and not all of them will come to faith, um, and, but they will hear. And our responsibility is that they have an opportunity to know who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is what they do with it. So we just mm. got to do our bit. Wow. That's so encouraging. That, that You've encouraged me a ton because I've felt like that failure so many times. You know, we're down to one guest left at Alpha and it's like, my gosh, and you're slugging it out. And, yeah. and, and, and then there are other times that are really successful. I always say Alpha is the hardest thing I've ever done and it's the most rewarding yeah. thing I've ever done. Like it is yep. painful sometimes. And yet, yep. you know, and so I hope that anyone listening takes encouragement from that. Like yeah. keep on swinging, keep on Keep, Keep stay, on going. Yeah, stay close yeah. to your Alpha support team. There's like Alpha's yeah. network all over the world to help you and to encourage mm-hmm. you and stay close to them and keep on fighting the good mm-hmm. fight because what you're doing matters. And so, my gosh, what a treat to talk to you. Today. The same with all church leaders, Ron. I mean, I think coming out of COVID and this pandemic, you know, whatever season we're in, some of us are coming out, some of us are going back in, whatever. Really, the the main thing for my alpha team is to encourage church leaders. Yes. You know, I don't care if they don't mention alpha. I don't care. You know what I mean? They'll, yeah. they'll find their own way. But every time we gather with a church leader, how can we encourage them? How mm. can we pray with them? How can we strengthen them? Mm. You know, I will be praying. Ron and I have prayed before and I'll be praying again for every leader listening to this. You're not alone. Mm. Sometimes it feels alone, you know, and it feels the pressure that we're in this together and, there's people who care and love you and you are making a difference. Why don't we end our podcast by inviting you to pray for them now? Mm-hmm. Would you do that for yeah. us? It would be a privilege. We just pray the most ancient prayer of the church. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come to cars. Come to gyms. Come to places wherever people are listening. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray you will come as oil to bring anointing. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come as as fire where things need to be cleansed, that you will come as refreshing rain for those of us who are dry and parched and need the refreshing. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come with your gentle wind and put fresh wind in the sails of those who are feeling stagnant, of those who are feeling off to the side. Holy Spirit, would you just come gently, bring the wind of your spirit that brings encouragement. And Holy Spirit, we ask, would you come and bring your custom, boutique, tailor-made wisdom for each situation? We just admit we lack wisdom. And so we ask, the God who gives liberally, for wisdom in each of our situations, for wisdom for the future. And so we pray today, the incredible love of Father God be manifest in everyone hearing our voices. We pray the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be revealed again afresh for today for new mercies. And we pray the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each all of us, be with all of us, your comfort, your guidance and your revelation of truth. We just ask in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, what a great message of hope and encouragement. This pandemic has been a difficult time for many of us. 
yet God is still moving in incredible ways. That was evident in Melinda's stories of leaders who show up with their best and let God take care of everything else. We would love to know what inspired you from today's episode. Leave a review on the podcast letting us know what stuck out to you from Melinda and Ron's conversation. Thanks for joining us this week. See you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Impact.